Hello and welcome to the Unmoving Ground. Thank you for joining me. This is Paul. This is episode 48 uh, and it's called Darkness and it's uh, kind of in turning in tune with um, last week's episode which was talking about silence and it's uh, yeah one of the last ones we're leading into before we get to a year of episodes that will be based off of, um, I want to do a year recorded episodes, and so, so excited about that. We have the, last week was silence, uh, this week darkness, and it's leading into the last four of the, the, uh, the year, um, which will be the Advent, uh, themed on the Advent, days of Advent, so um, if you celebrate Advent in your, your um, church, then you'll you'll recognize it very easily. If not, um, you'll, you'll get to see something that you haven't done before. Uh, it's very it's very cool, uh, but it's just celebrating this, the season of Jesus. So, uh, episode 48, uh, Darkness. I am a co- recording this uh, on location in Branson. I, this is my first solo not being at my, in my, um, office uh, recording. Uh, I've done some stuff where I've recorded people uh, in other places. So this is, uh, yeah, exciting on the road, uh, doing a little mini vacation. And so from from location on the spot, uh, episode 48, um, Darkness. Let's jump in. So I think that um, I, I like the the two last two themes because they're there's something that we work through as human beings that's that is pretty germane to all experience and and that is because that we deal with this idea that there is silence um, from God in our lives but also we deal with the the darkness that um, lives within us that lives that is that makes up our, our world um, and it's a very thematic thing I think there's a reason um, that light and dark is used so much in the Bible so uh, for example in the Old Testament it says that God's word is a light unto our feet uh, when John begins to announce his or start his gospel um, he are he actually starts it with the phrase um, Jesus is the light of the world. Uh, the, the world was in darkness and Jesus came to the world so that it might have light, that it might see. And uh, I think that uh, when I think about the very human limitations that darkness brings, um, it's very, uh, it, it's, it becomes very clear why this is such a common theme and why it's such a, um, an apt thing to think about before we celebrate um, the coming of Jesus, before we celebrate his birth, before we celebrate his ministry. Um, one of the things to think about is is darkness. And when I think about darkness, um, I, I go immediately back to uh, children. And I think about the fact that as children, we learn very quickly um, to be afraid of the dark. We learn very, like, we, we don't, and we don't necessarily, I don't think anybody really teaches us that, but it's a very human condition to realize that when it's dark, we can't see things. And when we can't see things, we can't anticipate, we can't understand, we can't, we can't process. And, and so we, we, begun, we begin to be afraid of the dark because we are vulnerable. 
And I think that is one of the things, one of the reasons that God uh, and and the authors of Scripture really use that analogy is because we live uh, such a life that is vulnerable. We we are in the dark um, spiritually. We um, emotionally um, we we don't acknowledge. Uh, we we live in the dark, and we very much seek ways to eliminate that because we don't enjoy that. We, it, it is something that we that causes us fear. We, f- we are afraid of being in the dark because we are vulnerable and we're afraid of being vulnerable. Um, you know, we are, uh, there are, there are prey animals out there that can see in the dark that, um, that, that have an advantage over us. Um, if we are fighting on their territory because uh, of the dark. And so as a child, we learned very, very, very early um, that, that the darkness holds things that we fear. Um, and of course, as, as adults, um, we know that the irrational fear of the dark is not necessary. You don't have to have that. But as children, fears, it doesn't really matter if they're irrational or not, they're there. Um, and... So we we learn that when we, we, we can't see things, um, when we can't know things, when we can't process things, then we lose control. And we very, very, very much are against the idea of, of losing control. We very, very much are against the idea of losing any kind of control because we... Um, losing control means that we, we have to depend upon um, somebody else. And, and so darkness brings that into focus in our lives. That, that if, if it's dark and we need to find something, then we have to we have, to have some kind of light source. Um, there's nothing within us. There's nothing within us that can wheel ourselves. If it's truly, if you've ever been, uh, and, I, and, and I have been before, it's been a long time. But if you've ever been in one of those like caves or caverns uh, where they do a tour that's that's that is underground, and the only light source is is a uh, is the lights that they have put in the system, or the the, the lamps that you carry, or the flashlights or whatever. Um, one of the things that they're gonna do, because uh, this is what tours do, is to you know give you a thrill, is that they are going to have you turn off the lights. Um, and when you do that, you begin to understand what true darkness is. And, and true darkness is in a cave when there's no other, you, you know, you're not getting any kind of ambient light from anything that you could, you know, no stars, no moon, no uh, city um, light pollution, and, and you, just, you just have darkness. You literally can't see your, fa- your, your hand in front of your face. You can't see anything. So you could be attacked by anything and from any angle, and you would just not be able to defend yourself. And, and there was nothing within you that you could will to see. Uh, there's nothing in you that you could go, oh, okay, well, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll make light appear. We actually don't have it within us to do that. We, we can't make our eyes adjust. Um, we can't see in, in pure darkness. Uh, we just can't. We're blind um, in, that, in that situation. We need light for our eyes to see. And, and I, so I think that's why it's so appropriate that when John begins to talk about who Jesus is, one of the, the titles he gives him is that he's light of the world. And I think that um, 
the reason I, I it's it's so um, appropriate at this time is that we struggle with so much information. We we feel like we know so much, so many things that we have such knowledge that we are we are smarter than we've ever been. That we have more knowledge. We understand the universe and, and humans and and how the world works more than we ever have. And yet there's still so much we just don't understand. And there's still so much that we are not in control of. Um, and we, uh, we, we are, we're so haphazard with it. Um, we use good things and that, that causes death and destruction because we, we don't know what we're doing. We don't understand because we're not actually in control. And, and that causes us great stress because we want to be, um, kind of the controllers of our own destiny, the controllers of the things that, that we have, um, so that we can say that we are in charge of things. And, and that's just not the way this world works. And, and so, because that's, that's the case, the world doesn't work that way, um, we do need light. And there's nothing within us that can bring about that knowledge. Um, we can't think hard enough. We can't try hard enough to receive the truth of who Jesus is. Um, that, that's not like... One of the one of the, I've been re- thinking through a lot of objections that people have to following Jesus, and and a lot of the there's a lot of good natured, honest people who are like, well, I don't think you need a book to tell you to be teach you to be a good person. But I I would just argue that I think historically it's shown that people, unless there's some kind of overarching um, authority. Whatever that might be. Now you can say that is your government. You can say that is your your community. That's your love, your family, whatever that is. That unless there's some kind of overarching authority to direct you on what 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 is good, what is kind, what is nice, what is love, um, that we don't come up with good definitions of that on our own. Um, that the people who are like, well, you know, there's there's morality, and you don't need the Bible for morality, actually have learned. Um, because the Bible can't be separated from the history of thought and philosophy and morality. They've learned all those good things because there is uh, a, a, a scripture or there is a principle that's pointed to that, but we, but we just don't come up with it on our own. Because if we, if, if we so if, if, let's walk down the pathway where we say, oh, well, there's nothing that created us, so we don't have a creator. We don't have uh, anybody that can explain to us how the world might work or, or why the world works the way it works. Um, okay, then what is the best way thing to do? Well, um, if there is no order to this world, then the best thing to do would be whatever is best for you. Uh, now, it may be best for you to act in such a way to create community, which is also, I think, what... Um, anyone who follows Jesus would say that you want to be in community. And so that may be the best thing for you, but um, it's driven from a selfishness. It's driven from um, as long as that works. If that's not the best thing, um, you know, some people who are very good at, at killing things, at killing people, 
um, would think that the most, the best thing was, hey, the strongest survives. So if you're in a, you're going to have, there's no rules, there's no morality established by anything other than just whatever we want to do, then, then the strongest person is going to be right because might is right. And, and there's no, um, there's no, no, no reason to just not believe that because if there's no system, if there's no accountability, if there is, if it's always just whatever is best for the person, um, then that person who is the strongest will, will have the most because they are the, they are the, uh, have the best advantage of doing the most, um, uh, because they're the strongest and no one can tell them no because they're the strongest. And then, and then of course, what happens is, is that you have people who want to benefit from that strength, who may not have that strength, will then flock to them and follow them and create that uh, relationship because they want what that person has, but they don't have the strength to take it. So they, they, they instead um, align themselves, a community. Uh, and it's a very self-serving move. Again, it's not because... Um, being the strongest and just taking whatever you want is the best way of things. Um, but it is a way of things. And if it is the way things seem to be going, would you rather be on the side that says, we well, yeah, am with the strong guy or the side that's like, wait, that's not fair. And then just have your stuff taken anyway. So very much so in the sense of that if we're in a dark cave with all the lights turned off, there's nothing within me that I can, that I can create a um, light source and the same way mentally um, there is um, nothing that would point to the type of system the type of relationship the type of life that God points to um, within just my my mental makeup now we have to understand that the um, the scriptures and the truth of who Jesus is and the weight of who Jesus is has actually uh, drug itself through all of history and ac academics and philosophy. And so you can't at this point separate that out. When you arrive at some kind of conclusion and conclusion at, uh, in philosophy, most of the time you're, you're basing it off of a belief system um, that has been influenced by who Jesus is. Um, and so we may come to, you may say, well, I can, I understand what love is. Um, so I can just have a system without God and Jesus. And I can just talk about love because I, I've come to an understanding of that. But most times what you will find is that your understanding of love has been shaped by what God has said love is or what society has said, but society has been shaped by God and by Jesus and by the Bible. Um, so, so to, to think that you could somehow, uh, just divorce yourself from its influence, um, is just incorrect. And, and I think that is, um, that is one of the things that like, if, if you, um, you'd have to start uh, in order to avoid its influence, you would just have to be like, uh, you'd have to start over. Um, you'd have to unlearn everything. You'd have to, uh, get rid of both the good and the bad of it and then try to start from square one. But again, um, there's still going to be an overarching philosophy of what you're going to follow. Um, so, um, so, so there's nothing within us, um, I believe that really, um, it doesn't mean there's not good within us and it doesn't mean that we can't follow the good things in this life, uh, follow society as a whole, as people, um, just with even without having God in us, because God has kind of this, uh, what was what's called general grace, which just allows 
um, people to be able to live in such a way that you could have, you could, you could love people without having to have Jesus in your heart, without having Jesus in your life. You can still love people. Um, but the definition or your understanding of that love is going to be shaped by culture. And, and culture, whether you like it or not, is shaped by the Judeo-Christian tradition, uh, which is the Bible, which is Jesus, which is God. Um, you can say you don't like that. That's fine. But you can't, you can't at this point separate out. So, um, so, so it's not saying that, so I wouldn't say that we as people can't have things that come out of character, like being honest and being loving and being caring. Those are all good things. We can do those without having to have, um, Jesus in our hearts. But, um, some of those major definitions are when we begin to think about how do you belong to a community and how, what does that look like? And, and what, what's, what's the, um, further explanation of that? Um, what you find is that you, you just have, um, you just have you have such a gr- strong influence from certain things, and one of them is Judeo-Christian values um, that you can't separate out without just creating your whole new system. Maybe that can be done. I, I don't know if you can create a whole new system. Uh, I think some people are trying, um, but again, the the idea that if if there is no cosmic rule uh, in the world, if there is no if there is no cosmic um, power in the world if it's if it's all just by chance if we all just ended up here by chance if if, if the collection of molecules that makes up me are just a, a happy chaotic happenstance and there is no um full creator on of the world there's no overarching order to the world then you what do you what are you going to base your system off of um, because even people, I think, they're like, oh, I don't, I don't believe in God of the Bible or any gods at all. A lot of them still believe in things like fate or fairness or uh, destiny. And, um, but, but the question then they have to answer, they have to think through, is that who's in control of that destiny? Um, who's in control of that fate? Uh, if if there is no overarching um, strong power that is actually doing that, then then they can't declare um, that they have they have their you know their kind of their own captain that they and they can't be upset when fairness isn't in play because there's there's no rule. Uh, as a society, we can decide those things, I guess, but again, who decides what's fair? Uh, because. Um, we are selfish individuals, uh, and and so deciding what's fair oftentimes um, doesn't work out like we think it would. Uh, we what what's fair is that again you could say what's fair is that the strongest individual gets the most, the the most talented, the the best looking, whatever whatever um, metric you want to use, uh, which which we can rank people by. But what's fair? Oh, we're all going to have things in common. Well. The reason, like one of the reasons that we would say that, oh, we're going to hold things in common, which the communist, which is crazy because communism very much was very against uh, any kind of faith. But if if we think about it, like the only reason uh, the idea of communism really comes out of community, which is really a idea from God. So um, if you think about it, it's just crazy because the idea that we all in common um, really, really comes from the fact that we're all created equal, which is what Americans have put into the, the, the Constitution, right? We, were, we believe that all men were created equal, created 
that we're equal because we're all creation. That that it's it's not easy to say, or even doesn't make sense to say, we're equal because we're all the same happy accidents. Um, even if somebody would say that, I'm not saying that atheists would say that. I'm just saying that that if if you begin to say that, well, we we have this equality. The reason we have the equality is because we all are children of our Creator. And because we're all created, none of us have more inalienable rights than the others. Um, and and so, I mean, a lot of that, again, is just based off of this Judeo-Christian. So um, that's a long way around to think back to this. Um, we, we, we as people, as followers of God, um, we have to struggle through these ideas of things like silence and darkness. Because silence, um, this, this ability to, to hear or to not hear God, and darkness, this, this ability for God to stay hidden from us, um, create a challenge to our relationship with God. If God is silent, how do we relate to God? If God is hidden, how do we know God? And um, so... We have to deal with the fact that at, at some point, our lives are going to, to experience, as we talked about last week, a, a, a time of silence from God. And also, our lives are going to have points of darkness in it, points where um, we have a hard time seeing God. There's, um, again, I think if you, if you read through the Psalms, um, you will you will see reference to both of those things time and time again, which actually points to the idea that it is more common uh, of a human experience than we really hope or expect. Like we, we would hope or expect that those would be very uncommon experiences because we don't want those type of things in our lives. We just want to always just be connected and close and clear and, and always be able to hear, always be able to see, always be able to know. Um, and, and yet, if you read through the Psalms, you, you see verse after verse where it says, God, why have you forsaken me? God, why have you hidden yourself from me? God, why are, where did you go? Psalm 23, one of the most loved Psalms uh, in, in the whole Bible, has this line. It says, even though I walk through the shadow of death, even though I walk through darkness, your, your rod and your staff, you come for me. But the, the question, the, the, the phrase is not, I will not walk through the shadow of death. I will never have to walk through the shadow of death. No, the, the phrase in the psalm is, even though, even when I walk through the shadow of death, which again points to it being a normative experience by those who follow Jesus, they're going to experience times of hardship and trouble. Jesus said it himself. Jesus, on the uh, when he's preparing his disciples uh, for his eventual death and him leaving, he, he says, be of good cheer. It, well, he says this. He says, in this trouble, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Let me say that again because I stumbled through that. But in, this is what Jesus says. Jesus says in John, he says, in this world, you are going to have trouble. But be of good cheer. I will overcome the world. Let me say it again because I think we need to hear it and, 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 and meditate on it. In this world... You will experience trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. It's the same thing. Jesus doesn't say, hey, if you follow me, 
no more trouble for you. If you follow me, you won't have to worry about struggles. You won't worry about hard times. You don't have to worry about that. That's not, that's not what he says. He says, in this world, you're going to face hard times, struggles, darkness. There are going to be times where you don't understand. There are going to be times when you pray for something and it doesn't happen. There's going to be times when, something, when life just feels so unfair. There are going to be times when everything may be okay, but you just feel you just feel like you can't see or hear God anymore, and you just feel like you're lost in darkness. And God uses those times to shape us. Jesus doesn't say, you may have trouble in this world. He says, you will have trouble in this world. And and so for people who, who are like, who, who are like, oh, God never intended us to struggle. God never intended us to have things like poverty or, or sickness. God's always, God's, God's the weapon that you can't be formed against. You can't, you can't be conquered. You, you, I mean, look at, look at Paul's life. The guy who writes those things. I mean, he talks about how he was beaten and he was, he was left hungry and he was, he was near death. I mean, Paul had trouble. <laughs> His life was full of trouble. And yet he would write those things. He would say, you know, be of good cheer. He, well, that's what Jesus says. But he says, he says, like, give thanks always. Rejoice. I mean, and, and Paul, of course, is writing these things from prison. He's writing these things in the midst of his persecution. He's saying, every day give thanks. Never, don't, don't forget to pray. Don't forget to give thanks. Don't forget to rejoice at how good life is. You, you know that there's no weapon formed against you can prosper. You know that you reign. You are, you are victorious. These are all the things that he writes. And he writes them from places like prison and being shipwrecked and being left on the side of the road for death, for being, for being stoned by uh, the people who wanted him dead from from uh, being being uh, beaten and then put into prison uh, from from being a shit. I mean, he just, he writes these things that you go, but God, but Paul, your life does not reflect what you're saying. Paul's life had many, many dark places. Places where he could have said, I don't think this is what God intended. But here's here's something I think that's super interesting to me. Uh, I hope it's interesting to you too. Paul was Saul. And what changed his life was an encounter that left him blind. Paul was Saul. And what changed his life was an encounter that left him blind. Was an encounter that left him in darkness. He no longer could see. He had to be led around. Here's, Here's why that's interesting to me. When we go through darkness and we learn the futility and the limits of our, our strength, of our reason, of our control over this world, when we, when we see all of that, it becomes clearer and clearer who God is. And so it's, it's in times of darkness, of pain, of suffering, of loss, that God often speaks loudest. And it's times when we have everything where it's everything sunshiny and brilliant and and we can't imagine pain happening to us that often we lose sight and understanding of who God is. And it makes sense when you're in the dark, 
when we when you're in the cave and you're underneath ground and there's no light you turn off the lights you are lost you're vulnerable you're afraid the only thing that can save you is a source of light and you can't create that in yourself Sure, maybe you brought a lamp, maybe you brought a flashlight. But what is that going to do for your spiritual darkness? This season can be heavy with darkness. If you're, you may be facing it for the first time after losing a loved one. You may be facing it and your family is, you know, people are... are are celebrating these seasons and they're like, oh, I can't wait to get with the family. And you're just thinking, I wish I, I had a different family. I wish my family would be like that. I wish, I wish that I had that kind of joy when I thought about my family meeting. And you just feel the darkness. You feel, you feel oppressed by it. You feel, you feel it squeezing in. Maybe it's just your own own faith you you've 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 looked into things you've asked the questions and you haven't got answers and you don't know why maybe you don't even know what you believe anymore it's dark it's lonely you're afraid your spirit is crying out seeking as as with silence I want us to embrace a little bit of the darkness this week, that unknown, that fear, that, that outside us, because I think that it helps us to prepare for what John will call the light of the world, for what we'll, what we'll see in, in the Advent story and the Christmas story. But I think that, again, we fill our lives with so much. We fill our lives with so much that we, we move away from these things so we don't have to deal with the spirituality of, of, of losing uh, light, to, of being dark, of being in a hard place, of being in a rough place, of being dependent upon God. And so because we lose that, um, we lose the ability a lot of times to hear, even just hear from God. Um, because because he, he can't break through when we, we put up the walls that are like, nope, no darkness here. We're just going to pretend like everything's okay. We're going to pretend like I don't have hurts, I don't have pain, I don't have sufferings, I don't that I'm not crying out from the inside with doubt, that I'm not riddled, my faith isn't riddled with holes. I'm going to put on the happy mask and I'm just going to walk on. And when we do that, we continue to walk in darkness. We continue to lie to ourselves, we continue to lie to others. I want, to, I want you to think this week. I want you to think about where in my life am I allowing darkness to stay because I'm too afraid of the light revealing the truth? What is it that would be so terrible if, if, if you admit it between you and God, if you admit it to another believer, if you allow the light to come in and distill the darkness? Where... In your heart, in your life, in your mind, where does the darkness still stay? And, and if you're in a, a time of darkness, of loss, of pain, of grieving, just hold on. Hold on.
hold on to God. Not ready yet to release the full good news on the other side of darkness. I want to, I want to live here for a moment, but I do just want to say that if you're in a, in a hard place, hold on. With all your might, hold on. And as you reflect this week, I pray that you would find those places that seem dark or that you know are dark and that you would have, you would have the courage to ask Jesus to shine his light into those places and remove the darkness so that you no longer carry them with you. And as he does that, may he make him more, may he make you more and more like the person that he wants you to be. Hope you will meditate on that this week. Hope you'll think about that. Maybe even pray that. God, show me the places of the darkness in my heart that you need to clear out. God, show me how I can do that. And as you do that, I pray that God's light will just fill you with joy and hope and strength and drive out things like fear and shame. Hope you have a good week. Looking forward to next week as we get to, to take off on, on the, the the, the joys and the good things. Um, but, but I do want you to meditate on just, just a little bit of darkness this week, thinking about in your life where it might be uh, and how what God's trying to say through that. God bless. Hopefully, hopefully hear from you next week.